Hello, I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. Welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today, a show about emerging technology and trends in mobility with leaders and innovators who make it all happen. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to be joined by Daniel Barrell, co-founder and CEO of Re Automotive. On today's episode, Daniel will discuss the first fully X by Wire platform on the market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to have you here because very point blank, simply, Re is enabling your customers to build the future. Re doesn't want to be everything to everybody. You're focused on what you're good at. Why did you start Re 10 years ago? What did you see in the market? Do you see this opportunity to be good at one really good thing while all your competitors and peers are focused on being everything to everybody? We started Re 10 years ago because people, not sure people remember, but 10 years ago, electrification was not a matter of, of when. It was a very big matter of if. And we wanted to, to make sure that, you know, we cement that, that, that when significantly. And when we looked and doing that, listen, th this is my sixth rodeo and it's my second together with my co-founder, uh, Akishai, who's the CTO. And what you learn being a tech company, which we are, we're a tech company in the automotive world, is that you have to stick to the core. You have to really, really concentrate on what you bring to the table, what you, you, you do best and let everybody else complete you. And this is where we created very much from the get-go our philosophy of uh, uh, you know, that we complete, we don't compete. And this is what we're doing today. We've developed very, very unique by wire technology that we're concentrating on. We're concentrating only in that and we bring the best out there to complete our offering. So the customer actually have the best of all worlds. They'll have the best, of course, technology by us. They'll have the best top hats by others. They'll have the best telemetry by others, service and so on and so forth. And if you look at what we do, we're very different than quite a lot of others out there today where we are 10 years, we're, we're doing that for 10 years now. We're all the time only concentrating on our core. Why complete, not compete? Is it What's in the cultural DNA that you and your co-founder said, this is the path that we're going? Because you have to, you know, recognize and, 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 and be very respectful that there are Quite a lot of players out there that are very, very good in what they do. And we believe we're also very, very good in what we do. But it's almost not less imperative and not more imperative to know what we're not good at. And if you're not the best in that part, I believe, we believe, give it to the best to do. And then you have the literally the best product because all the best came in together and build it and work together. And everybody stayed. Uh, true to their core. So, for example, for us, we're concentrating on by wire. So we're concentrating on the rig corners. That's that's the, the the main advantage that we have, right? So we're doing the hardware and the software, and we've designed all the software around it and the ECUs and all the componentry. But we don't build it. We went out and we we partnered with the world best tier ones and tier twos to build the components for us, and we only do the assembly. And even that assembly later on next year will hire a contract manufacturer in the US to assemble the vehicles because there is somebody better than us to assemble the whole truck. And we'll be concentrating on those corners. And then later on, we'll be concentrating on the data coming out of those corners because this is where we excel. But you'll have the best built 
by the contract manufacturer that this is what they do. You'll have the best components built by the best ones because this is what they do. You'll have the best service built uh, through our uh, growing network of dealers across the US and Canada because this is what they do best. So the, the customer at the end of the day, the fleet enjoys honestly the best in all worlds. And, and I, I believe that if, I mean, if you want to do everything by yourself, either you will fail or you will need ridiculous amount of money, which is not necessarily you know, available for everybody, especially in today's market, but even before building you know, everything from scratch. And, and, and I think it's, there's so much good partners to partner with. We, we believe that we have to create the ability to incentivize those very, very strong partners of ours to you know, work together with us as opposed to competing with us and we with them. Since you're not competing, is it opening doors for strategic partnerships for, for better terms since they say, okay, Daniel, you don't want to compete with us. You don't want to put us out of business. You want to complement our business. Is that helping to accelerate the growth of RE? Yes, absolutely. You, you should think about us as there's a good story about how uh, Android, the phone software, came to life, right? At the early beginning, there were other players out there, right? We had Microsoft, we had Palm, we had BlackBerry, we had Nokia. And when Google wanted to come in, they did something something brilliant. They started by doing everything, but in a very small scale. They created, I think it was called Nexus, the, the, the phone series, right? And it was top-notch. It, it had the best hardware, software, etc. And gradually, they released different software versions, not as good or not as capable to, to the other players, to Samsung, LG, HTC. And today, as they moved forward, Google right, are now only doing Android as a software, which is the most common one in the world, and everybody else completing their offering with amazing pieces of technology, hardware, why, and service ones. And that's exactly what we want to do. We understand that for the first products to, to kickstart the market, to get us into the market, the point of entry, we would have to probably do more than we wanted to. And this is why you see us assembling this is why you see us building the production capability. This is why you see us building the, the network of dealers. But at the end of the day, as more and more collaboration will come to fruition, and naturally we can't talk of everything today because not everything is open, then you'll see more and more incumbents, more and more players using or you know being powered by RE, and we will be concentrating on our biowire technology, completing, not competing with them on their offering. When you develop that, will a large part of your team focus on advancing the recorners technology that you've developed? Will that be a, a pillar cornerstone technology for you? It's safe to assume that the, the recorners that we are launching now, the P7, is going to be powered by the, the recorners. And they're going to, uh, you know, we already showed and communicated that we have a feasibility to certify the by wire technology to FMVSS and we have EPA approval and so on and so forth. We're close to production and we'll start delivering by the end of the year. But you can assume that this is just the tip of the iceberg. You're seeing just the first generation of many more to come and many more capabilities to come. Some of those capabilities are already inherited and implemented with, all, with those corners, but they're not yet been enabled. And as time goes by and they'll be mature enough, we'll enable them to also vehicles on the field through, by, uh, through over their updates. 
is the whole platform updatable? You're seeing that. I mean, Tesla really introduced that, especially in the global market with the over-the-air updates, and they they forced the hand of the legacy OEMs. And you have a software update. The amount of features that you can push to a vehicle is pretty incredible. From a hardware standpoint, will you build that hardware in there, and then as over time, gradually push up updates depending on where you are from a software technology standpoint? Absolutely, yes. And and not only that, remember, you can swipe a corner out and replace it with a new corner in less than an hour. So yes, one, there is a lot of hardware that can be taken to new boundaries through software updates. And we definitely, in our roadmap, we're planning to do that. But not only that, at some point, let's say five, seven years from now, you want to you know, upgrade significantly your truck and the body usually is intact. Just change the corners in less than an hour and you have new capabilities, hardware and software, because it's all in the corner. It's all in the rear corner. To me, that sounds like you're taking a fuselage approach, but your fuselage is your rear corners. If you look at, a, let's say, a Boeing aircraft or an Airbus aircraft, it goes in for maintenance. They put new seats and and new design, new they redo it, but the fuselage keeps keeps going. Is that very similar to? It's exactly that. Yeah, it's a work truck, right? It needs to work exactly like a you know a plane. Plane doesn't make money on the ground. It just needs to be cleaned, serviced, and up in the air, right? And you can't have downtime, and it needs to just stay operational and safe. And that's the whole idea with our truck. They're built to last. They're built to take a beating because they're, they're, these are work trucks. I'm really curious. You swapped three corners in an hour. How? Did you develop a bolting technology? Because if I'm a maintenance person, okay, wow, this is great. I don't have a downtime for eight hours, nine hours. Go, okay, away I go. How did you design that to, to make that possible? So there's a funny story behind that. We were watching Formula One on, on TV the other day here at the, uh, the, at the office at the Israeli campus. And... We saw, you know, the pit stops and, you know, it, they measure half seconds there, right? And how swift they're going to be. And I said to, to the team, hey, why don't we do that? And they said, what do you mean? So like a pit stop, let's change a corner and say, we actually already designed that. I said, seriously now? I said, yeah, because it, it made it easier for us also to change a corner. So what we've done is we created a very unique lateral system that you just, like changing a tire, take out the bolts, pull it out, pull back in. It takes about 20 minutes to do the mechanical change because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a big corner, right? It's a truck corner. But then it takes about 40 more minutes for the software to calibrate, to do the bleeding and, and all the safety tests. And in under an hour, you're ready to go. Now, this is not the, the coolest part of it. Think about how much it simplifies spare parts inventory management. Instead of having difficult different components everywhere, and sometimes the truck is just sitting there for days because you're missing a part. Just just that single bolt, that, that single filter. There are no parts. It's a single part system. It's a corner. No matter what happened in the corner, if we cannot fix it over there, which most likely we can, but in the event there is a mechanical failure and we can't, you go to any one of our dealers who will have recorner stock there. And because the recorner is, a, 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 is common in all four, it's the same in all four corners. It's the same part. You just go in, and in less than an hour, you're out. It's done. Nobody needs to manage that, etc. You send us the faulty one. We fix it on the downtime. We make 
you know, we, we make the process more uh, uh, efficient that way and restock the dealer after that or, or the fleet, if that's the case. So the, the truck remains all the time up and running. There's very minimal downtime and there's very simple management of, of inventory of spare parts and quite a few patents. So what letter in RE is, stands for efficiency? You have two E's. Does one of them stand for efficiency? The, the RE started with, uh, we went and we, we were supposed to go out of stealth uh, a few years ago. And we prepared everything. And then the guys shoot us an email and said, we, we need a company name and logo. Well, like, oh, oh, forgot about that. Uh, and uh, I called up a friend of mine and he said, yeah, it's, we're going to take a three-month process. We'll get to know, et cetera. So, hey, we've been friends for 10 years. Stop that already. Can we do it by tomorrow? Well, like, yeah, sure, mate, but it's going to cost you the same. So that, 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 that's fine, but can we do it until tomorrow? So we told him the story. And he came back tomorrow and said, I, I got it. And he said, okay, what, what did you get? He said, you kept on saying that you redesigned, re-engineered, rethought. Re so it's re, R-E. And I said, yeah, that's nice. And then, you know, Ahishai, my co-father said, like, no, you have to have three letters. Well, like, why would you need to have three letters? He said, like, you have to have three letters because you have to. And he goes like, no, it doesn't make any sense. It's re. And then he said, but if you think about it, he's a mechanical engineer, right? He said, if you think about the corners, they look like two E's looking at each other. They're like literally how the corners look like inside the vehicle. And he you know, painted it on, on the whiteboard. And it became re ever since. It's magic when people come together and just think. Listen, it's all about the people. Honestly, I've, I've, it's my sixth rodeo. It's only about the people. It's just being able to bring the smartest, best people on the planet, get them to work together, get them to communicate together, and then magic happens. You know, what makes me very unique is that we're as flat as a pancake. There is no hierarchy at Reed. None. We're a tech company. There's no hierarchy. We, we, we all sit in the same open space with the same, you know, desk and, and chair for everybody. And we work as teams. There is ad hoc teams that come in and out all the time as needed. And those teams do get the job done. And it doesn't matter if, 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 if you joined us two months ago or you're here for four years. If you've got something to say or if you have an idea, bring it up. And we all discuss and move forward as a team. Teamwork makes great work. And it's clearly what you're building is great work. You're building efficiency. So you have the, the P7C. What are your customers going to build on it? I think they're going to build very, very good trucks on it because the P7C is built to take anything from class three, even 2B, all the way to class five, the mid-sized mid trucks, which is the heart of, you know, our economy. This is what, you know, this is what UPS uses to, to uh, uh, deliver parcels. This is what put groceries in our supermarkets. This is, this is everything, right? And what we've done is, we, because of the biowire technology, there is nothing connecting mechanically those corners. So the corners are not connected mechanically to each other, just, just wires, right? It allows us to create a very, very flat, completely flat and very low chassis. And that, uh, that allows our customers to build whatever they want on top of that. Meaning some of them would like to use it as a step van, that's easy. Some of them want to use it as a box truck, that's also 
doable. Some of them would want to use it as utility vehicles and so on and so forth. Every design is feasible. However, as you remember, we complete, we don't compete. So how do we do that? We join forces with the best bodybuilders, outfitters in the market in the US. Those partners have amazing capabilities and knowledge about what those customers need and how does their truck are best built. What are they looking for to have in those trucks? And we're partnering together with them in order to give those end customers the best product. Is that where Morgan Truck Body comes into the picture? Yes, that's exactly where Morgan comes in, Nighthawk comes in, uh, and others. Yes. So your platform is capable of, this is a magical number, 25 to 30% more cargo space than a traditional vehicle. That's game-changing, for especially for delivery companies that need to put more cargo or freight on there. Is that because of the design of the replatform, or how are you able to achieve that? That's a good one. So naturally, you can always pack more if you build a bigger vehicle. But a bigger vehicle within the city, inside the city, is very limited in, in maneuverability. So you, you can't really do that, right? That's, this is the trick. So what we've done is, one, we created a significantly lower chassis. And we're able to load more on that, 25 to 30% more cargo space compared to the same footprint. However, because we have all-wheel steer, right? It's by wire and each corner is identical. So all, wheel, all, all corners drive, steer, and brake independently. So the all-wheel steer allows us far better maneuverability than a vehicle our size or actually better, bigger than our size. So the customers can actually, the fleets can actually pack more, but actually maneuver as, as if there are much, much smaller vehicles. Is that where the lower center of gravity comes in? And it's, I'm assuming from a drivability standpoint, stability standpoint, but also from a, a driver getting in and out, I'm assuming it has to be more comfortable and easier on the back. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, in average, uh, a UPS, a FedEx driver goes in and out of their vehicle about 300 times a day. 300, that's a lot. And we're saving one significant step. There are usually three steps in today's stepping vans. We have two. That's significant. But also the buy wire gives our uh, customer two more very additional important things. One is our cabin is very, very unique. It's very driver-centric. Today, a lot of our fleets in North America, but also around the world, have challenges recruiting drivers. There's not enough drivers. And we've been consistently receiving feedback about how drivers love to drive our trucks. And that's a very inherent driver pool for the truck. Driver likes to drive it. So that's, that's one because the, the cabin is very spacious, very comfortable. You can stand in it. It's very easy in and out. Drivers like it. That's, that's one example. Second example by wire is our redundancy. You, 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 put the, you give the example of our... Uh, an airplane earlier, right? So if you're flying across the ocean and one, God forbid, one engine fails, the plane can still fly with one, right? Same with us. If there is a problem with one of the corners, let's say there's no steering, there's no braking, the other three corners take over and keep the driver safe and the pedestrian around them. The, the functional safety of the by-wire, the inherited redundancies we've built inside, are very significant. You took that, you took the corners, you took your redundancy platform up to Northern Sweden, 
when it was very cold. I saw the video. It was very cold. Yes, it was. You, te you tested it. What were the results? Were you testing, okay, ice, snow, how does it handle freezing temperatures? What were you testing up there? Yeah, so naturally we, we, we did winter tests. We shared and, and yes, they were ex exposed. Uh, the biowire technology was exposed to extreme conditions, right? Snow ice, I think it was somewhere around minus 10 Fahrenheit there or even though it, it was cold. <laughs> but what was important for us is actually to do even more than that because that you can mimic artificially, right? You can freeze the components. You can put them in, in, in chambers, right? That's, that's, what we wanted is actually to train the system, how the system think, the biwire, to train it to cope with extreme conditions, right? So we tested the vehicles on low friction surfaces where you can't mimic all that friction or low friction on, on wet trucks. For example, there is a cool video out there where you see that we're driving on solid ice and the vehicle steers and you see how the wheels spin in place and the vehicle still steer steers and remains on track. That ability to train the biowire system as a whole to operate there was one of our big successes. So, so you know, the, the, the ABS, the traction control, the yaw control and, and all that, that was important. And of course, we, it also helped us to mature the system towards the uh, EPA certification and the uh, FMVSS uh, feasibility certification that we recently announced. You went to the testing there. We're going uh, around the world, northern hemisphere. We're going into winter. Does that testing become a selling point for your potential customers that are in the carrying business delivering goods? Okay, in the winter, we historically have X amount of crashes or incidents because our vehicles were not designed for this weather does that become a competitive advantage saying hey look at the look what the re-vehicle can do in a snowy icy condition so we recently expanded into canada for example and our dealership network now covers the whole us and parts of canada and what our partners in uh, and customers in canada really like is the fact that we're not using them as our testing bed for winter tests we're actually coming with data you know saying hey this is what we know about that and that was very new to them because they said, usually your peers would come to us and say, let's drive it and tell us how did it go, where we already come with the, the data prepared. At the end of the day, we're a tech company. It's all data driven here. Think about it. Our corners generate thousands of data streams per second per corner, thousands. Are you using that data to optimize the corners as a constantly updating and, and optimizing as you push out a, a new release candidate? Yes, of course. And also allowing better operation efficiencies for the fleet, less wear and tear, better safety. And of course, as you said, it boosts our ability to, to develop the next generation. Because at the end of the day, you can move faster if you want to build stuff. You can move faster if you have more engineers and you want to do something. But the only thing you can't speed is data accumulation. That is a function of time. And since time, at least for now, is still constant, the advantage of the 10 years we've been collecting our data is significant. When you collect the data, we, we, we talked about extremely cold weather. Are you also doing that from the opposite of the, say, uh, Desert Valley out in California? We have the extreme heat. So you're getting all the elements. So you're getting all the data. You're, you're, you're rounding out the data set. When you go to your potential customers, you can say, Re is can operate in all these different environments and, he, and here's the data to back it up. So it's not just a 
press release? There's actually data to back it up? Absolutely. Everything we have the data to back it up. We actually started with warm, very warm uh, climate here in the uh, Israeli desert. I was born in the, in the desert. And, uh, you know, we started with actually very, very high temperature. And that also affects, of course, EVs in general and, and, and trucks in, uh, you know, uh, around the world. And, and the ability to be able to access all of our rig corners across the world and harvest that data out of them and then see how that data interacts. Because some, I'll give an example. Sometimes you know there's a direct link between cause and effect, but sometimes you don't. And if you have enough data, you can see that if A happens and B happens, sometimes there's a chance that C happens. Yeah. And if you have enough data, you can calculate the percentage and say, hey, if A happens, B happens, I should interfere and do something in order for C not to happen. And you can only do that if you compile enough data and look at it retrospectively, right? You, you can't connect the dots looking forward, you only connect looking backwards. And, and this is the amount, this is what we do with all the data. It goes all the way to our secured recloud mm -hmm. and we analyze all the data on our cloud. And then we can drive decisions which are based on pure, pure data. And we, of course, we share it with, with, with our customers. That's our data as a service module. We have a lot of data and we are more than happy to provide our customers. From a driver perspective, let's say there's an incident with a recorner or a recorner goes out. Does the driver get a, a notification inside of the vehicle, or how, how or how are they notified during that process? They know they have the safety element because the redundancy, but how is the driver notified? So, so we created a three-step process. So sometimes you have a problem, but it's not that urgent. So we'll say, hey, FYI, you know, whenever you've got the time, look at something or bring it to service. Another one would say, upper level than that, say, listen, um, nothing for you to worry now. Continue your, your daily routine or, or, or you know, the route for today, but make sure to put it into service once you're back. And of course, the highest level of emergency says, stop now or we'll help you stop now and don't do anything further. And, and we look at it from a whole, very holistic view of the vehicle. There is an ISO standard, 26262, that talks about the functional safety of a vehicle, about a single point of failure, which we don't have. There is not a single point of failure in our architecture that disables the vehicle completely. So for example, let's say in, in a regular truck or car, you tore the uh, um, brake fluid tube. You lose brakes. That, that's done. For us, we have four braking modules, one in each corner. They're not connected to each other. So even if one completely fails, the other three take over. Even if two fails, we'll help you brake through like skiing. We can open the front wheels to uh, an opposite angle and just brake the vehicle completely, right? As an example. So, so there are multiple ways to address failure and increase safety. It's smart, it's wise. I, I use the term, it, it, it's very wise. You're gonna build confidence, especially with your core customer's customer, who's the drivers. The driver's gonna to have to be confident that the vehicle is going to act the way they need to. And that's what you're doing with the redundant platform. When do deliveries begin? The 
piece that we have drivers that listen so oh, i want to try this when are when are deliveries going to begin now end of the year so we're going to start delivering end of the year we just announced i think last week that we doubled our order book uh since our last earning call in in august so the order book value has been doubled now uh to 40 million dollars and we're going to start delivering the first trucks this year on plan those trucks coming onto the market this year Looking to the future, do you see re-expanding potentially into class eight at some point? Technology-wise, there is no limitation going to class one or class eight or both. I think what we want to focus on is doing what we do best, which is by wire, and to do what we do best on the mid-sized uh, trucks. And I think there's a lot of work to do there. I think the, 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 the demand on the market, especially for class three and five, is huge, uh, especially now even that it's you know, boosted significantly by very large incentives. On class three to five, four, for example, you can get anywhere from $40,000 back all the way to $140,000 back in some states, where the average price of an EV truck in those segments is about 150. So potentially you pay $10,000, $20,000 for a truck. Right? And, and I think that we want to first look at this market. Now, Class eights, I mean, Tesla Semi is, is an amazing machine, but I, I, I still think there is work to do on the infrastructure side. Class eight needs to drive far, and we still don't have the infrastructure, neither BEV or fuel cells, to address it now. And this is why we decided to concentrate on, on you know, class three to five, which drive less, more around the city, between depots, better charging capabilities, which is, by the way, growing very, very fast now in, in, in the US. Because for three to five, the infrastructure is there. I, I spoke to a trucking company the other day, and they said, well, my diesel truck, I get 2,000 miles on it. I, I, need, I need range and I need certainty along the way if we're going through a rural part of the United States or a rural part of Europe that there's going to be charging. And until I can have that guarantee and it doesn't affect my uptime, I'm not going, but you're right to focus on three to five. You have the infrastructure in place. You have the demand. You have a lot of uh, policies from city councils, local governments that are that want electric vehicles to, to, to operate there. So you're right to focus on that. Let, let, let's zoom out for a while because we met in Austin uh, a couple weeks ago, and you were very kind. You walked me through the rebusiness model. How, how does the rebusiness model work, and what advantages does it have? Because when we were in Austin, you explained to me, you said, okay, wow, I get it now. Can you do that for the audience, please? Of course. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so first and foremost, like we said, uh, we complete, we don't compete. So a horizontal approach, we're looking, we're not vertically integrated, we're horizontally integrated, and we're looking to partner with other industry-leading companies such as OEM, Top Hat, Adfitters, uh, charging players to bring the best product to the market. And we want to give them all the incentive to work with. So, for example, I don't know if you know, but uh, or, or our audience actually know that more than seventy percent of class three to five in North America is actually sold through dealers, not direct. So we decided not only that it makes sense business-wise, but again, complete not compete. We wanted to go through dealers. So we've started building our dealership network in the U.S. Currently, we have sixteen dealers. Cumulatively, although we, we don't have you know formal numbers, uh, but from the conversation we have with them, they've sold more than 
a billion dollars just last year in the US. And they have all the fleet relationship, they have all the service capabilities and, and, and know-how. So it gives us an ability to move faster and deploy across the whole US instead of looking at location per location and deploying a significant amount of cash from, from, you know, from the company's balance sheet. So that's one, going through dealers in the US and Canada. And we're really carefully picking those dealers because not everybody knows how to sell an EV. Because remember, it's not apples to apples. It's not the, you have a diesel truck and say, hey, I'll give you an EV. Mm-hmm. They go like, yeah, where, where do I put diesel in it? See, yeah, you, <laughs> really, you don't. Right? And, or you shouldn't. And, and, and it's very important to partner with the right dealers who understand what it means to electrify a fleet. And also with the right fleets that are ready to do that. So we created an ecosystem of partners, right? You know, it's common knowledge that we've been collaborating with uh, Hino Motors and we're working with the uh, Poindexter Group, uh, Morgan and Morgan Olson and uh, Brembo and, and many, many other players in the industry, both on the supply level or, or the partnership level to complete that offering. And, and I think last but not least, what we've done is that we created a very strong, we call it CX, customer experience team that when we deploy a fleet and when we deploy the vehicles in a fleet, we can't just expect them to deploy it and scale it up. I think it would be naive to think so. They're busy running their own business. Remember, they're not in the business. Our fleet customers are not in the business of trucks. They're in their business and the trucks is what helps them to carry out that business. And we created teams, re-teams that go on the field to our customers with their trucks, teaching them on the trucks, listen to the voice of the customer, implementing what they need, making sure that they've got everything they need in order to operate the trucks to the best of their ability and scale up their business and creating more, you know, more money by doing so. And last, last but not least, our approach says we are now the manufacturer of record. We are now going to bring the trucks into the market, but we want to hand it over to everybody else. So everybody who wants to be powered by RIG, everybody who wants to use the RIG technology will work together to complete their offering and not to complete. And that applies to, you know, uh, OEMs, of course, as I said, that applies to very high tech tier ones that are looking at by wire and data that applies to tech companies out there and, and, and everybody. Complete, do not compete. That's the that's the re-business model. Is there any licensing or subscription revenues built into your model? Yes, there are. So as of 2020, end of 2025, we'll launch our subscription model for uh, data, data as a service. Uh, the reason it's going to wait until 2025 because we need to have a minimum amount of vehicles on the road generating that real live data with the customers. And then I believe that's going to grow, in my view, to one to being one of our biggest revenue streams uh, of pure data. What happens when autonomy enters the picture? Are the re-corners equipped for autonomous driving? Actually, yes, as of today. All the re-trucks are autonomous ready today. And once autonomy is in, you would not need, if, you, if you're using a power by re-truck, an over-there update just enables autonomy. 
We already have a few autonomous programs, but uh, I don't think that we are ready as a market for full autonomy today, right? It's still limited. But for everyone who wants to use autonomous vehicles with the re trucks, they're ready from today, from the get-go. And with a soft over their update software-wise, we're just enabling it. Just to be clear, right? We're not doing the driver bit of the autonomous. We're, we're not the mobile of that. Uh, we're if 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 you if you look at it, we're the uh, with the limbs. We execute the autonomy, but we are we're not doing the vision or the computing of the autonomy. But it, they're all autonomous ready, and, and this is important because I, I don't think people talk enough about how important is the human feeling in driving. When you turn, you, you feel the road. You know if you're going too fast in a corner, for example, without looking down on the speedometer. You, you just feel, you, you know, according to the road condition. The, 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 the AI doesn't know that. It can't. And re, because of by wire and the thousands of data streams per second, we actually sense everything. We feel it. We have the feedback. We understand what it means to drive it. And put it, you know, simply to that is because it's by wire, the recorder and the recenter that controls the recorders don't actually know whether you and I are holding a steering wheel with a sensor that gives command, or there's a, an AI or a computer gives it command remotely by uh, autonomously. For the truck itself or by wire, it's, it's, it's the same. Doesn't care. Are your trucks autonomous ready because of your X by wire technology? Is that what enables them to be autonomy ready? Yes and no. I mean, you can look at a you know remote control car and say it's ready to be autonomous, but but it's not. You have to put a lot a lot of redundancies and feedbacks in, and this is this is what we've done, right? The ISO twenty six twenty six two that we mentioned before and, and others. The fact that it's by wire, yes. At the end of the day, if it's not by wire, it can't be driven autonomously because there needs to be computer driving it by wire, right? It's the prerequisite. But even if it's by wire because a remote control truck, a car is by wire, it's not enough. You have to put all the safety features in and the redundancies in. Redundancy is key for any application for autonomy if it's car whether it's truck whether it's passenger van delivery van you have to have redundancy and that's what you're building at re in your opinion daniel what is the future of re i think it's a bright future uh and 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 i'm being realistic i think that you know if you look five years down the road which for a tech company like ours is is not even dog years i think it's i don't know what what's beyond dog years elephant years you know, it, it, I think you'll see more and more vehicles powered by rail on the road. We want to be able to build fleets fully powered by rail, regardless to the brand. Right? You can bring brand A and brand B powered by rail, like Intel Inside, for example. At the end of the day, I think our goal would be to merge the vehicle reliability with data-driven insights to achieve enhanced performance and optimization. Mainly a data-centric, we want to be a data-centric tech company that uses real data to define how trucks are brought to market and operate. Re has a bright future, 
because you complete, you do not compete. As we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today? I think at the end of the day, maybe two things. Riz is, is a tech company in the automotive world, but we are very disciplined in the manner that we execute our business plan. We remain on track and, 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 and on budget on doing everything we said. We just recently received the EPA certification. We confirmed FMVSS certification feasibility for our biwire system. We have a very strong and growing order book that is just now doubled since August with a large expanding dealership network. So at the end of the day, we're ready, we're ready to, to get to market uh, with the right product, with the right maturity at the right time. And uh, we're not going to let anything stop us from doing that. Re is building the future. Today is tomorrow. Tomorrow is today. The future is re. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today Unplugged, where I'll share my candid insights on the future of mobility. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.